A big win for school choice in Arizona and inflation soars for yet another month. I'm Greg Columbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad, and crazy news of the day and lots of laughs too. Follow the Three Martini Lunch wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a regular listener, then you've heard me talk about Keltec and all the reasons why they're one of my personal favorites when it comes to firearms. Privately owned family company, Keltec has been making one of a kind American made firearms since 1995. Driven by creativity, Keltec doesn't just copy other weapons on the market, they innovate new ones, including the new P50. The P50 platform is based around a 50-round double-stack magazine which lays horizontally along the top of the grip. The 5.7 cartridge comes in several variants, from sporting, hunting, to personal defense, and with how easy it handles its smooth shooting, because it's well-balanced and thus accurate. You can definitely see Keltec's reliability and quality at work. The P50 is fun on the range, but it's also great for serious home protection. To find out more about the P50 and all other Keltec weapons, and products, check out keltechweapons.com. That's K E L T E C weapons.com. Keltech, creating innovative quality firearms to help secure your world. Keltechweapons.com. Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. And I was reading about this survey, and I'm pulling it up. It's from Axios, which discussed the new all time low because it seems to change annually. The new all-time low in trust that the American public has in our press. And it's no wonder. I mean, we were just talking about, for instance, the story of the 10-year-old in Ohio and how still, because of bad reporting that initially began with the Indianapolis Star, we still have a million questions, more so than we had when this was first reported. And this is because you have you have seemingly activists doing the job of journalists, and that's not really information distribution. Uh, There is, I think, no better expert on this than Ari Fleischer, whose new book, Suppression, Deception, Snobbery, which is totally that, and Bias, Why the Press Gets So Much Wrong and Just Doesn't Care. And he joins me now. You can watch the simulcast of the radio show and him on Skype. Ari, congratulations on the book. So good to see you. Thank you, Dana. Great to have. Great to be with you. Of course, you. I mean, you wrangled the press uh, for a number of years. You wrangled them at working with the the Bush administration. I watched numerous press conferences where you walked up to the podium and you had the very unenviable task of dealing with all the questions from people who liked you up until the time that you started doing the job that you did, and then it was just all arrows. There is, I I love the snobbery aspect of this title, and you kind of nailed this on the head because you you also shared a story about how, I think this came out of uh, Barrett Sports Media, where there was a poll that said the only group of Americans who think that the media understands them are college-educated Democrats. This, as we're getting, right as we see new reporting, surveys coming out showing that it's white college-educated people that are really going towards Democrats, where it's more diverse working-class voters going towards Republicans. Talk to me a little bit about this and how this plays into what the media chooses to report and how. Yeah, Dana, the the press has driven itself into a cul-de-sac, and now it's just going around and around in circles talking to themselves. What's happened to the media is this poll shows the only group of Americans who say that the press understands them are college-educated Democrats. You're a Democrat with a high school degree, the press doesn't understand you. You're an independent voter with a high school or college degree, press doesn't understand you. And for all Republicans, the press doesn't understand you. If you grew up hunting, if your grandfather took you to hunt and taught you to hunt, the press doesn't understand you. If you pray every day or go to church regularly, they don't understand you. 
It's a cultural issue. And that's what my book gets at. We are so beyond the old liberal bias of the press. It's now become a cultural way of thinking. They are a small slice of America who now only know how to tell stories and talk to another small slice of America. Yeah, and and their the reporting is become. I mean, it's it's just two different worlds. Talking with Ari Fleischer, if you look like, for instance, at what memorandum categorizes as the top stories, it's all J six and everything else. If you look at actually what's trending against the algorithms, even more organically on social media, it's about inflation and jobs and energy and gas, all of the stuff that continually rank in the top ten of voter concerns. So no wonder nobody's there's stories out talking about how nobody's watching the news anymore. Newspaper distributions are down. They're not even getting views online. So what is to become of the press? Because it's they're killing their own industry. But the reason I wrote the book, because I really do. I, I do care about the press. It's important to our democracy yeah. that we have a place where we can all go and say, here's what happened today. Now, I'll tell you what I think about it. But here are the facts. Here's what took place need to get back to that. And the way to get back to that is journalism schools and newsrooms need to really recruit people who think different. They have to stop being this one group, group think, tweet think, think alike, look alike, act alike group of people. And that means conservatives need to get into journalism. It means newsrooms have to be wide open and welcoming to conservatives. But remember when Ben Shapiro wrote a guest column for Politico, there was a meltdown at Politico. The reporters there thought that Ben Shapiro committed violence because his name appeared on a political column. This is the problem with the new generation of younger social activists, uh, social warriors mm-hmm. going into newsrooms, thinking that the press media needs to be subject instead of objective. They, they're not the enemy of the people, Dana, but they are their own worst enemy. Yeah, they are. And I, I love that you mentioned, too, that conservatives need to get into journalism. And I really feel like a lot of them just don't. They kind of disregard it. Um, and they don't see because I, I agree with you. I think the press is a sacred part of our re- republic, which is why I get so upset over it. And we saw this. I mean, just with the lockdown and the pandemic, how important it is for Americans to be able to believe what's being reported because they didn't. And I think that just contributed to the the divisiveness overall. But the press is a big part of why we're polarized. I've come to the conclusion that the mainstream media is a big problem in America. Because they get so much wrong and they put it on the air and then they suppress so much that helps the Democrats and hurts the Republicans. You know, my my favorite story in the book, and it's about deception, was the Saturday after the election when Joe Biden was declared the winner. Church bells went off in Paris. Fireworks went off in London. NBC, ABC and CNN reported to their viewers that it was an international celebration of Donald Trump's defeat. Dana? It was the weekly call to mass in Paris. The church bells ring every Saturday evening. In London, it was a 500-year-old British holiday called Guy Fawkes Day, bonfire night. It had nothing to do with America. Yet these clowns in newsrooms who are surrounded by other people who think the same way they do, how could anybody be for Donald Trump, told the American people this was an international celebration that comes to feet. They're so biased and so similar-minded that they cannot get the news straight. And that's for the deception that I blow the whistle on. Yeah. And in and, and Ari Fleischer's book, and you see him on Fox News as a contributor, and he, of course, he works in strategy and communications. You get into everything from, obviously, that famous, the Russian collusion story, the Steele dossier. That's another thing that really 
blows my mind that there's not a lot of questions about because we learned that here you have uh, an entity that really, I mean, for all the discussion about the Foreign Agents Registration Act, they didn't register if people wanted to have that argument about them. Um, the, the Fusion GPS, who they take this this stuff that the FBI wouldn't even verify, they peddle it out to journalists as free content. The journalists write stories about it. Then those stories are taken to the a FISA court to say, this is why we need to have, a, you know, these these surveillance on Carter Page and other people. It really galls me to see that, oh, with the press that I, you know, I, I really want to be able to trust that nobody said, stop, this is actually a story that you're doing this and we're going to blow the whistle on it. Nobody wrote that story. That would have been a huge story. Here's why and I get to this length in my book. Because if it's anti-Trump, it gets a bump. That's how it works. You know, in local news, I used to say, if it bleeds, it leaves. Mm-hmm. In the Trump years, if you had anything on Trump and you were an anonymous source and you called it dirt, CNN would put it on the air. And this is why CNN led the league in the number of stories they actually had to retract. But the whole collusion narrative, the whole Steele dossier, this is actually what inspired me to write. You know, I was watching it all unfold, and I, I've called the balls and strikes on President Trump. I agree with him on policy. I disagree with him on his behavior and some of his tweets. And I say it on the air live. But when I watched how brutally unfair and biased the press coverage was toward him, I just thought, I'm going to write a book about this because it's not right. It's not good for the country. It's not good for honesty. It's not good for people to be able to say, can I trust the media? They were wrong on collusion. They were wrong on the Steele dossier. They were wrong on Trump removing blue mailboxes from street corners. So he could steal the 2020 election. You remember that yes. eating fresh was nonsense. So, so many times they just aired it if it could make Trump look bad. And Dana, it won't stop with Trump. They're going to do it to Ron DeSantis or Christy Nome or Ted Cruz or Tom Cotton. You name it, whoever our nominee is in 2024. And even if it's Donald Trump, of course, they'll continue it. Yeah. And that's why we have to hold media to account. And that's why I wrote the book. Yeah, and you you were talking to Ari Fleischer. You you mentioned CNN as well, and I know we both did some stuff with CNN. They is replacing Zucker with somebody, I guess, who's been described in the press as being more moderate, wanting to attract more moderate views to CNN. I mean, that's a, it's a it's a move in the right direction. I I think it still needs to be proven, but it seems like they're going to have to establish a long record of of fair representation of views actual diverse thought on airwaves before the audience comes back and and you know everything else follows you're 100 percent right and as you point out 10 years ago you and i were both cnn contributors in the 2012 election cycle and it was a very different cnn back then yeah it was liberal we knew the questions were liberal but at least they tried they said their job was to be objective they threw that that out the window under jeff zucker the previous cnn president and then with the Trump presidency, they lost their minds and let their opinions rip on the air. I'm fascinated by this now to see if CNN can tack back toward being objective and neutral. I hope the executives there push the network in that direction, be good for the country. Um, but boy, those anchors and those daytime reporters, they're going to have to give up what they enjoyed so much, which was being part of the resistance. You know, John Harwood, Jim Acosta. These are daytime reporters at CNN, White House correspondents who are in the tank, totally biased. Uh, John Harvey wrote a love note to Joe Biden on Biden's way into office. He was brutal to Republicans. He sounded like a spokesman for the Democrat National Committee, not as a neutral reporter. And I show this in the book. So I hope they can return to neutrality. They have a long walk to get there. 
Yeah, I'm talking with Ari Fleischer. Last question for you, Ari. You've noted this as well. I see the press trying to shape a new narrative. This, I see them trying to bait a fight between Trump and DeSantis. And Trump, everyone's trying to figure out if he's going to run in 2024. You made an interesting point that if he decides to do so, he should announce it on January 6th of 2023 because that day is going to be all about him anyway. And then that would kind of rob their thunder. I thought that was a very interesting thing. I mean, it, he, if he does it, that's when he should do it. I agree. Well, I don't know he will run. I mean, he's making all the noises saying he will. I hope he does not declare before the November election. You, you know, mm-hmm. when everything is going the way it is, you just don't want a curveball thrown in at the last minute like that and make the election about President Trump as opposed to about Joe Biden. Uh, so that pushes it beyond the election. And what would be the right day? I'm just saying, if I were a Donald Trump, if I were him, I would make it January 6th because he can seize the day and reframe the day. Uh, and everybody knows they're going to come after him on that day anyway. So I think it'd be very Trumpian yeah. for him to. It would be, for sure. Ari Fleischer, the book is Suppression, Deception, Snobbery, and Bias. Fantastic book out now. Ari, thank you so much for what you do and uh, for writing this book as well. It's good to see you. Thanks, my Thank friend. you, Ben. Thank you for having me. Of course. Take care. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Staff at a Red Lobster restaurant in the state of Florida have rescued a unique lobster. In a recent shipment, the Hollywood, Florida restaurant found a bright orange lobster amongst the others. And instead of allowing the orange lobster to be cooked, they decided to rescue it and give it a name, Cheddar, after their biscuits. Cheddar was then brought to Ripley's Aquarium in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where it's going to live out safely the rest of its life. They said that the orange lobster was an ordinary miracle and i don't is it really that much of a big deal they said it's one in 30 million according to a red lobster press release it honestly looks like all the other lobsters it's a giant bug it looks like a face sucker from alien i don't like to see the lobsters before i eat them because then i can't eat them not because i think they're cute or i'm concerned about their welfare it's because they look like alien face suckers it's bug meat i mean for real let's just be honest about this so this um Oh my gosh, I don't even understand what this is. Apparently there is a survey that says uh, experimental treatment for people dealing with long COVID could be actually doing more harm than good. British Medical Journal. It's basically a blood filtering treatment, which they normally use on patients with lipid disorders. And it's like called blood washing. And they're saying there's no inv- there's no evidence that the invasive procedure actually reduces your long COVID symptoms. I just, who knew? The CDC, according to The Hill, says there's a meteor- meteoric rise in the number of Americans injecting drugs. Wow, really? You mean when you force people to stay indoors for like two years and then you like try to browbeat them if they don't get government injections that they might be injecting other drugs? I'm just wondering. They said there's a, clause, a colossal rise in injection drug usage. And they estimate that in the last decade, it's gone up. I mean, they said that in 2018, it went from 4 million. Now it's fivefold. Wow. That's pretty sad. Five babies, apparently, according to Daily Caller, after botched abortions, the infants were left alive. This is one of the reasons why Illinois tried to pass the Born Alive Infant Protection Act that Obama, when he was a senator, refused to support. And that said five separate incidences, abortion procedures that failed to... Uh, abort the infant in utero the children were apparently found they were born alive and they were left to die in minnesota in 2021 according to a state health report now out 
They said that there was one infant with an unspecified fetal abnormality that was left to die without medical care. There were no attempts to save lives. They said two were pre-viable. And they said that normally they would have to be given comfort care measures. But they said there were no, apparently this wasn't at all done at all whatsoever. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And Twitter says that Elon Musk disparaged it by using a poop emoji. I mean, Twitter just disparages itself, I think. Dog names are racist, according to scholars. Today in Woke. Now, quick sidebar. I watched that Bill Burr special. You'll have to watch it. One of the funniest jokes I've ever heard was him explaining the word woke. And he said that it was at a party where he goes, I blame the black people at a party. That's what he was saying. He goes, somebody used the word woke and he was talking about where language originates and where certain catchwords and trend phrases originate. And he goes, and some, he goes, some like white woke, white liberal heard it and said, I'm going to say that. <laughs> I want to say that. What's that? <laughs> it was, I, I never laughed so hard. Uh, academics recently applauded a social psychology quarter study showing a disparity in the time dogs were adopted based on racial racial associations with the animals names so apparently they say white names resulted in shorter adoption times compared to black names jeez um what? hmm what yeah i don't get it. did they give examples at all in the uh in the story they say Shelter, they they apparently did not keep those type of records, Kane. Oh, that mm. seems important to the whole... Seems kind of important. ...crux of the thing. Like, I'm, here, let me pull this up, which I don't want to do, because I just don't want to read it. They say that uh, if they have racial... How is the... What? I don't understand. Whatever. Like, dogs named, what, like Tyrone? They don't, don't get adopted, but dogs named. I thought like that you had to name Steve? dogs names that had hard consonants because dogs can hear that better and it's better for training. Right. That's what I was always I'm told. The white name, okay. right? <laughs> so dog names. They act like people are going into the shelters and going, "Show me all the dogs with the white names." Like, what does that even mean? I don't even know. So yeah, there's like uh, they said the they say the construction of certain dogs like Rottweilers, Dobermans, and Pitbulls are apparently connected to American ideologies of race, gender, and class. Where do they get this stuff from? Like, what happens if you grow up in the Ozarks, say, and the only people that you knew that had big bad dogs that they didn't take care of because the big bad dog breed by itself is not a violent breed. It's the way that the owners are and how it's trained and or lack of training or raising. And, you know, they you associate that with, like, white poverty and meth. Like, you know, going to talk to any of them people? Just saying. Because apparently the study assumes that only minorities own Rottweilers and Pitts and Dobermans. And the extent of their study, well, we did watch a Snoop Dogg video. I mean, that's what I'm assuming anyway. I'm speculating like they are. This is stupid. And I can't believe that they took the time to do this. They said, hypothesis one, dogs with white sounding names have shorter times to adoption compared to dogs with names that are not perceived as white. Dogs with black and Hispanic sounding names have now have longer times to adoption compared with to dogs with names that are not perceived as black or Hispanic. And I like how now they're adding the Hispanic thing into there. Do they because know? Do they Hispanic know that they can? It's white adjacent. Do they know what? they can change the name after they <laughs> adopt a dog? They do know that, right? Uh, I am looking for that very important information, Steve, in your query. 
And so far, I am not finding anything to your point in this very prestigious academic woke study, sir. I am not finding that because the dog. I mean, apparently it's easier to chop off your Jimmy and change your sex than it is to change your dog's name. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. (laughs) It's time for Florida Man. Flager County, Florida. Here's the headline. I run the county. Florida commissioner tells trooper after he was caught speeding in his Ferrari. Ooh. So video from Florida Highway Patrol shows Flagler County Commissioner Chairman Joe Mullins being pulled over for speeding in his red Ferrari. A trooper stopped him on Interstate 95. Patrol dash cam video captured the whole exchange. He says, hey, look, so 92 miles per hour is 22 over the speed limit. Okay, the trooper explains. Normally I give warnings and I give breaks, but it looks like you've been given a warning already. So I do issue the citation. And with that said, it's going to be payable within 30 days. So this happened in June and all of this is now coming out. So as the trooper explains that Mullins cut him off he goes i run the county so i know how that works and the trooper goes you run the county and mullins goes yeah i'm chairman of the county commission and like the trooper continues explaining the citation because apparently if you knew it then why would you do it Ooh, there you go well if you knew it joe then why would you do it joe so he got written up anyway that didn't work dude that did not work it didn't work All right, so I'm just, I'm, man, be careful the ladies that you meet in a bar, okay? That's all I'm going to be saying. Fort Lauderdale police say a woman possibly drugged a man she met at a bar and then stole his Rolex and other items. Uh, The preliminary investigation. Now, wait, wait, I'm sorry. He's, what's the latest iPhone, 13? How are you wearing a Rolex and you got an iPhone 12? Sorry, I just got to point out like some obvious priorities here, okay? Like I just, hold up. You're going to be walking around with a Rolex. You deserve to get robbed. I'm just, I'm kidding. Anyway, so Fort Lauderdale, they're investigating this guy or this case. This guy had, he stole two of his designer watches, his iPhone 12 Pro, his wallet and $1,000 cash while he was inside his house, while she was inside his house. Uh, the, the total loss was about $52,000 and it shows them walking back. He takes this woman. Uh, they meet. This is what happens when you are skeezy. If you meet some broad in a bar and she gives you a roofie and then takes you back to your house and robs you blind, maybe you shouldn't be, you know, doing a hookup with one, a broad that you just meet in a bar. You know what I'm saying? There are consequences to being a, a, a whore. There are man or woman. Don't be doing that stuff and you won't get robbed. It's like not difficult. Golly. Like I'm not trying to shame the guy for getting robbed, but don't be a whore, a male whore. Don't. Okay. Um, a Florida man named Demon set. <laughs> he set fire to a police station and a cruiser in Tampa. A homeless man who said his name was Demon. Okay, was captured on security video pouring out what they thought, what they said is gasoline on two different vehicles. And then he tried unsuccessfully to light them on fire. They kind of lit on fire, but not, I don't know why. Uh, This is in Escambia County. He was arrested and charged with aggravated assault on a law enforcement officer. His name literally is Demon Blackman. Demon Blackman. Who is your mother? 
where you have this child. I mean, Elizabeth Warren? I don't know. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A big win for school choice in Arizona, inflation soars for yet another month, and Canada is still barring people from going there if they're not vaccinated. I'm Greg Columbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad, and crazy news of the day for conservatives, and hopefully a lot of laughs too. Join us. Follow the Three Martini Lunch on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.